This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Seventy years when it says that by the rivers of Babylon, the Jewish people said, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. That's what life was like for them, made fun of. You trust in your God, you're a slave, go ahead and sing us one of your songs. Tell us, sing us about great is thy faithfulness as you are forced to do the work we want you to do. And now after 70 long years of that life of darkness, of oppression, they've come into a life of light and freedom, a release, and it felt so wonderful, just like people today who live their lives in the darkness and the oppression of being what the Bible calls without hope and without God in the world, and it's just wonderful when they come to Jesus Christ and when they do come into that light and the freedom of now having hope, like we just sang about, hope for tomorrow, strength for today and hope for tomorrow, the freedom of now having this hope, of now having this strength, of God having God in the world so wonderful, and with that light and that freedom, the Jewish people have been called to go work on building God's temple, just like a newly saved person has been called to follow Christ, and he's all in, he's all in, and be his servant, be Christ's servant in the world. And now the newly saved person goes to church, he's given responsibilities, serving God, and the Jewish people worked hard on first building the wall around where the temple was gonna go in Jerusalem. It was hard work, it was hard work. Just like a newly saved person, he's gotta work hard now, he's gotta read his Bible, he's going to church, he's serving God, but then the opposition came to the Jewish people from the enemies of God. They harassed them, they threatened them, and they're building the wall. The Jewish people had to stand there on alert. On one hand, they held their tool for building the wall, and on the other hand, they had their shield, their sword, ready for attacks. It was so bad that it says they didn't even take their clothes off except for washing because they had to be on their ready alert. Just like a newly saved person, he begins to feel the pressure from the world around him, the pressure from lost family members, the pressure from lost friends, and it just begins to wear and to wear and to wear on him, wear him down. And then the enemies of the Jewish people wrote a letter to the king, as he said, they claimed the Jewish people were planning a rebellion, big obstacle, and it caused them to have to stop working on the wall. 
just like an obstacle that comes to a new believer that knocks them down. And since the Jewish people couldn't work on the wall, they said, well, we got all this time on our hands. Just, I know, let's go build our houses. Yeah. And our vineyards, yeah. And our livestock, yeah. And our businesses, and they did that. Just like when a saved person, he thinks the, like, the honeymoon with God is over. Now it's time to build a career and work and a business, get that house. At that wealth, and the word came back from the king that they could resume, that they should resume the work on the temple, and the Jewish people said in their hearts, I just prefer to build my house instead of God's house. I wanna take care of my business instead of God's business. I wanna build my wealth rather than the wealth in the temple. I got what I needed when I got released from Babylon, and now I'm back where I wanna be, and all that God stuff, that was just too hard. I don't have any opposition right now. All that serving God stuff was just too hard a life for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, they said. I'm not leaving God. Just don't want to spend my life serving God. Just like when a saved person decides to return to his old life and he says, I just prefer to live for myself instead of for God. I want to take care of my business instead of God's business. I want to build my wealth instead of what God wants me to do. I got what I needed. I'm released from the slavery of sin. I have no more misery of no hope, no God in the world. Now I'm back where I want to be. All this serving Jesus stuff, it's just too hard a life for me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not leaving God. Just don't want to spend my life serving God. When the call came back from the king for the Jewish people to go back to building a temple, the people did not go back to work. It seemed as though, really, the Jewish people were happy that they were stopped from building this temple. And this is what the book of Haggai is all about. It's all about what God had to say about the Jewish people not wanting to go back to build the temple, just like in the book of Revelation. God has something to say to the person who's left God as his passion, as his first passion, Revelation 2.4, Revelation 2.4, when Christ said, thou hast left thy first love, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. And this is what God is saying to the Jewish people who don't want to go back to work, to building God's temple, but want to remain building their own houses instead. God's message to them. God is saying to the Jewish people, I'm no longer your first love. You are your first love. You love yourself more than you love God. Let's be honest. You left me as your first love. Go back. Do what you were doing when I was your first love. And what the Jewish people said about returning to build the temple is the same thing that people say today about returning to Jesus Christ with all the passion and the love that they had when they were first saved. No, that's not a no. It's just later, later. We'll build the temple, we'll get around to it later, not yet. But soon that not yet never came. And soon, never comes, all started out as not yet, it never comes. And in verse two, God speaks, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai, saying, is it time for you? Is it time for you, O you that dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay waste? God gets right directly in front of their face, right, and he asks them a question. It's not my time, but is it your time? What a searching question that is. It hits us square 
in the heart where God says, okay, you put me on hold while you live your life for yourself. Is this the time in your life when you live for yourself and not for me? Let's be honest. Now, they didn't say they wouldn't build God's house. What they said was just later, and it's such a dangerous word. When Paul spoke to a Roman ruler, Felix by name, and Felix responded back to Paul, he didn't say he wouldn't come to Christ. He said, not now. He said later, Acts 24, 24. Acts 24, 24. After certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we never read that he called for him. Felix listened to Paul, as Paul talked about what real righteousness is, how far Felix was from true righteousness. Felix listened to Paul as Paul spoke about judgment for sin and his great need for Christ. And all that talk really got Felix to the point where he was trembling. It got him to the point of the decision. The decision was on the table. Okay, Felix, what's it gonna be? Are you gonna put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ or not? And Felix never said that he was not going to put his faith in Christ. Felix just said, not now, Paul. Not at this time, Paul. Later, Paul, when I'm ready, I'll call for you. And how many lost people tragically say that they're just not ready right now to come to Jesus Christ? How many people say there's gonna be a better time in the future, just not now, but that time never comes. And death overtakes them. And you know the first words that come out of their mouth when death approaches? Now? So soon? Well, I planned on putting my faith in Jesus Christ before I died. And that was what was so great about the Billy Graham Crusades, because it was how Billy Graham brought his crusades to this high point when Billy Graham said, now is the time, now is your time to step out of your seat and make your commitment for Christ by coming down that aisle. They'll wait for you, the people who brought you. Come down here before the platform and make your commitment to receive Christ. And how many people tragically say, they're just not ready right now to give themselves totally to Jesus Christ and enter a life of serving Christ. It's, it's not a no, it's just right, not right now. How many people say that there, there's gonna be a better time in the future when I'm willing to become 100% sold out for Jesus Christ, but the time never comes and death finally overtakes. And the tragic response to God's call is not a no, it's verse two. The time has not come. No, no, they don't say no, just not right now. And so when we look at what happened to God's people when they stopped the work because of opposition and they didn't resume it, we can see that there's a tendency in us to interpret an opposition to going forward with God as God's will for us not to go forward. And God asked Israel, look at your own houses. Look at how you made your houses so nice. Now look at my house. It's in ruins. And so God asked Israel in verse five, verse five, now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
He's what he's saying there is think about what you're doing when you put yourself above me, when you put your own families as a higher priority than God. Twice God says, consider your ways in verses five and seven. And this is where God is saying to Israel, stop, look at yourself, ask yourself the question, be genuine, be honest, be authentic. When no one else is looking at you, just ask yourself the question on a scale of zero to 10, what number would you say that your life is living just for yourself? On a scale of zero to 10, what number would you say that your life is living for God? And when God says in verse five and seven, consider your ways, he's saying, this is just between you and I, no one else. Be honest, are you living your life for yourself or for me? And now God asked them to look at what they had to show for all their work in verse six. Verse six, you've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, you have not enough. You drink, you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. So here's a situation that Israel was faced with. And the situation, essentially, all of that description really boils down to what he said first. You sown much and you bring in little. Basically, that first statement, you've sown much and you bring in little, is a description of their lives. Much work, little return. Haggai 1.6. You've sown much, you bring in little. And they say, it's a harvest problem, that's all. The weather was bad this year. Not enough rain when there should have been, too much rain when there shouldn't have been. I didn't have a good harvest. Verse six, verse six, you eat and you have not enough. It's a food problem. The meals are just not satisfied. Not enough fat in the food to make me feel satisfied, whatever. Verse six, verse six, you drink, you're not filled with drink. They say, drink problem. Too sweet, too salty, too bitter. I just continue to feel thirsty. Verse six, verse six, you clothe you, there is none warm. There's a clothes problem. My clothes are not made with wool. I feel cold. My clothes get, they're not waterproof. I get wet. I feel clothes. It's a type of clothes that I have this year. Verse six, he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. It's a financial problem. I work really hard. I make a lot of money, but there's all these unexpected costs. Things break, shoes wear out. Why can't I be like the, Children of Israel for 40 years, they had nothing wore out. The shoes, I gotta replace, I gotta repair. And in the year, I got nothing to show for all the work I did this year. And Christ said, Christ said, there's two treasures to gain, two treasures. There's a treasure on earth or wealth on earth, and there's a treasure in heaven or wealth in heaven. Just as the treasure on earth is gotten by hard work, by working for self, so the treasure in heaven is gotten by hard work by working for God. And this was the question that our summer blitzers were being asked last week as to why they were working so hard. Read about it in the report today. Why are you working so hard on the streets of Cleveland in this their eighth week of their 12-week campaign? And that's hard work. Think about the hard work that Sky and Sarah were doing in in Cleveland, bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. Sky and Sarah, Cleveland, said, Sarah and I went door to door with no response for the whole first street, and we honestly thought 
the rest of the day would be the same. We took a break, and when we came back, the first door we knocked answered. While they didn't want the book, we kept going, and we happened to see an old book thrown in the street. It was discouraging at first, but as we kept going, an Orthodox Jewish lady came yelling at us across the street. Sarah and I thought she was coming to tell us to leave, but the opposite happened. She said she wanted to know what our motivation was. And we just explained that we wanted to share our beliefs and that we are commanded by God to spread his word. We were not expecting her, being an Orthodox woman, to tell us that she applauds our work and wishing us luck. It's a description of hard work, hard work. Sarah and I went door to door with no response. That's hard. Twice those young ladies wrote, we kept going, we kept going. And when that Orthodox Jewish lady came to them, she was amazed at how much work they were doing. And she wanted to know what's your motivation for doing all this hard work. She said she wanted to know what our motivation was. And we just explained that we wanted to share our beliefs and that we were commanded by God to spread his word. And they were shocked when she admired them and applauded their work and wished them luck. Those summer blitzers were laying up treasures in heaven and working to get wealth on earth is hard work. It's hard work to lay up treasures on earth, just as it's hard work to get wealth in heaven. Hard work to lay up treasures in heaven. Like Christ said in Matthew 6, 19, Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 12, 21, Luke 12, 21, Christ went on to say, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Those summer blitzers going door to door trying to bring the gospel to the Jewish people were so different that the Orthodox Jewish lady saw it because they were not like others seeking their own wealth, but they were seeking the wealth of souls for Jesus Christ, and that's so rare. Why? Because Paul said in Philippians 2.21, Philippians 2.21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And this is what God was calling them to consider. God was calling the Jewish people in Haggai 1, Think about your harvest problems. Think about your food problems. Think about your drink problems. Think about your clothes problems. Think about your financial problems when God said, consider. And when he used the word consider, he used a Hebrew word incorporating that word consider, which is lab, the word heart is in it. So God is telling Israel, think with this in your hearts and ask the question, you really think that all your problems is because of harvest problems, food problems, drink problems, clothes problems, unexpected cost problems. It's just so wonderful, and this is so wonderful about God, that right in the middle of all this really tough talk, right in the middle of all this hard trials, right in the middle of all these judgments of God, God tells Israel, this is exactly what you need to do to fix the problems of your deterioration and disintegration of all your hard works. And he says in verse eight, verse eight, go up to the mountains and bring wood. Build the house, I'll take pleasure in it. I'll be glorified, say the Lord. He's casting a vision for them. This is gonna be wonderful. I'm gonna take pleasure in the work you're gonna do. I'm gonna be glorified. Get up, get to those mountains, 
cut that wood, bring it. Here God's saying, quit your complaining. Quit your whining about how bad your life is and just get going up to that mountain and cut down that wood and start building my house. I'll be happy, I'll be glorified. First step, get up to the mountain to get the wood. And now God says, Israel, what they should come to realize. Because if you don't look, verse nine, he says, verse nine, you look for much. Lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts, because my house is laid waste and you run every man to his own house. God says, can you not see that the problems are not what you think, but your problems are coming from me? I'm blowing on all your work. Literally, the Hebrew reads in, in verse nine, you brought it home and I did blow it away. God just, you work so hard for much, you expect so much and I blow on it and it becomes nothing. What destroyed plants in that part of the world is this hot wind, the desert, the Sahara Desert, those deserts around this, the Saudi desert, they're like an oven and they roll across that hill like a blast. It's a devastating hot desert wind. And this is what God is talking about in verse nine when he says, I did blow upon it. That hot destroying wind is not just a freak weather condition, it says it's the breath of God. Reminds me when I was in uh, Ethiopia some years ago, and it was one of those, during one of those starvation droughts, and that hot, scorching wind blew off the Sahara Desert through Buddhist Europe, where our, our company is. And crops just scorched, and the wind brought it with this, all this terrible dust. You know, for 50 years, I had contact lenses. The reason I'm wearing glasses today was because one day when I was on the streets of Addis Ababa there in Ethiopia and that hot, dry dust blew into my eyes and I did the thing you never like that. And that was it for my corneas. No more contacts, never worn them since. And God is talking about a hot, destroying dust, desert wind. And God says in verse nine that he drew that, he blew that wind. And we can imagine God taking a deep breath and just blowing that destroying wind. That's the same mouth of God that took that deep breath and blew from his mouth what the Bible calls God's breath of life at the creation of man in Genesis 2.7. Genesis 2.7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach hayim, and man became a living soul. And now from the same mouth of God comes that came the breath of life, now comes the breath of death, that destroys the work of man in verse nine, verse nine, I did blow upon it. And Israel struggles and struggles to make ends meet and gain more. And all Israel saw was disintegration and disintegration. And Israel wondered why. And God said the problem was, verse nine, you brought it home and I did blow upon it. The problem was God blowing on all of their efforts and it's falling apart. And Israel says, what's going on here? And God says, you brought it home and I did blow upon it. And Israel asked the question in verse nine, why, why? Why is God blowing on all the work of my hands and what I'm doing? It's all coming to nothing. And God answers the question and he says, it's because my house is wasted and every man is only thinking about his own house with no concern for my house. The temple's in ruins, no one seems to care. All anyone cares about is how nice they can make their own house. Verse nine, verse nine, you run every man unto his own house. 
Today, the house of Jesus Christ is us. We are the house of God, Hebrews 3.6, Hebrews 3.6. Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? We are the temple of God or the house of God, 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19, 1 Corinthians 6.19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? Collectively, all believers are part of God's house or God's temple. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.